Our scripture lesson for today is found in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. We'll begin at verse 10 and uh, go through the end of the chapter. Proverbs 31.10 Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profit, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. May God bless the reading of his holy word. As you already know, today is Mother's Day. I don't know how many know the background of it, so I thought it would be interesting, if you don't know it, um, I'll share it with you. Um, it was in the early 1900s that Miss Anna M. Jones first suggested the national observance of a day for honoring all mothers. She did this because of the great love she had for her own mother. On May 9, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson, through an act of Congress, proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. This day was established as a time for, this is a quote, public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. So it is today that we celebrate Mother's Day. 
as we honor our mothers and think of the blessings God has given us through them, we will go to God's word to see the picture he gives us of the ideal wife and mother. This description of the ideal, we could say Christian wife or mother, is found in what our scripture reading expressed to us. And she has six main characteristics. And we're going to stay here till we cover all six. It's, uh, it's not going to be that long. First, in verses 10 through 12, we see that because she is a virtuous woman, her husband can trust her. Her husband knows that she always has his benefit in mind in all that she does. She would never do him any harm. This is very significant, especially in today's world where people are told to forget about everybody else and look out for number one, yourselves. Even wives and mothers are encouraged to forget about their families and go out and do whatever they want. We know from Ephesians 5, the Lord commands the Christian wife to be submissive to her husband. We also know that the Christian husband is commanded to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. This Christian wife's submissiveness is not a mouse-like submissiveness, but a submission in the Lord with her husband as the head of the household. If she thinks her husband is wrong in a matter, she will lovingly tell him so he, he knows that she means well, and maybe he'll do it the right way. Or, I mean, her way. Which a lot of times is the right way, we have to admit. But if she doesn't, she still will support him in the decision And of course, this submission to her husband does not mean submissiveness to sin. Because her first loyalty is always to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian wife spoken of here in Proverbs 31, 10 through 12, sees her role as a wife as a joy and opportunity to serve the Lord. She knew and knows That as she is seeking the good of her husband, she brings blessing to her children and herself. The second characteristic we see in our text is that she's industrious and she can handle financial matters well. Verses 13 through 19 and 21 through 24 shows these things. She willingly works with her hands to provide clothing and food for her household. She gets up early and works late. She even buys some property and plants a vineyard from her earnings so that she can even earn more to help her family. Now many times you will hear representatives of the worldly women's liberation movement knock the Bible. They never really read it, but they make fun of it, and especially the Old Testament. 
But if they would only read our text, then they would see a truly liberated woman. This woman is a godly woman, is a faithful wife who serves her household well and yet makes the time to be involved in the business world. Her business involvement doesn't hurt her family relationships, but helps it. Now, everyone may not have this particular gift or desire to have that gift. And that's fine. That's fine. The point is that if she does have it, that's fine too. The third characteristic we see in verses 27 and 28, here we see this woman is not idle, but she's constantly seeking the welfare of her household. She's sensitive to the needs of her husband and is not so caught up in all her activities that she neglects him. She's well aware that her happiness is tied up in his happiness. And she guards their love with all that is in her. And she's also sensitive to the needs of her children. She's conscious of the great responsibility she has before the Lord to raise her children in the nurture and admonition of God's word. And there must be the balance of encouragement and discipline. And she prayerfully fulfills this responsibility. There's a woman named Mrs. Susanna Wesley, and she was the mother of 19 children. And uh, you've heard of John and Charles Wesley, uh, many uh, wonderful hymns written by Charles Wesley. And of course, we have our differences with John Wesley on theology, but um, he, uh, uh, she raised those among her 19 children. So she lived over 200 years ago, and she had a list of 16 rules to raise her children in the ways of the Lord. And uh, I think it would be interesting for you to hear them. One, eating between meals is not allowed. Well, the kids are out there saying, oh, no. You have to read this list? Two, as children, they are to be in bed by 8 p.m. They are required to take medicine without complaining. Medicine tasted pretty bad back then. It was uh, not easy. I I grew up a long time ago, and uh, my uh, grandmother uh, used to give us castor oil in a spoon. And now they have it in um, capsules. Uh, soft capsules, but anyway, so uh, no complaining. Four, subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save the child's soul. Five, teach a child to pray as soon as he can speak. Six, require all to be still during a family worship. Seven, give them nothing they cry for and only that which they ask for politely. Eight, to prevent lying, punish no fault which is first confessed and repented of. Nine, never allow a sinful act to go unpunished. Ten, never punish a child twice for a single offense. 
11. Commend and reward good behavior. 12. Any attempt to please, even if it's poorly performed, should be commended. 13. Preserve property rights, even in the smallest matters. 14. Strictly observe all promises. 15. Require no daughter to work before she can read well. And 16. Teach children to fear the Lord. That number 16 obviously is the most important of all. We must teach our children the gospel. We must tell them how their, their sin, they're born sinners, and their sin separates them from God, and tell them they must personally repent of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that they can't depend on the faith of their parents or grandparents. Jesus said to let the little children come to him, and so we must obey him. We may fail our children in other ways, but we must not fail to bring them the gospel. Then in verse 28, we see that she reaps what she has sown. We read there, her children rise up and call her blessed. That's what this day is all about. Her husband also, and he praises her. She gives love and she gets love. The fourth characteristic is found in verse 20. Here we see that she's not only sensitive to the needs of her own family, but she's sensitive to the needs of those outside her family. She's especially concerned for the poor and the needy. She does not selfishly keep all that she has been given by the Lord. She's well aware what God said in Leviticus 19.10, and I'll quote that. Nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God, unquote. God cares for the poor and needy, and she's a godly woman, and she cares for the poor and needy. The fifth characteristic we see in verse 25 and 26, verse, verses 25 and 26, this ideal wife and mother is a strong and honorable woman who's filled with wisdom and kindness. Her strength comes from the Holy Spirit, and her wisdom comes from her knowledge of God's word. She's honorable and kind because she applies God's word to her life. Her knowledge is not idle knowledge, but knowledge that is applied to her relationship with God and to all her relationships. You know, one of the greatest examples of a woman who through her knowledge, goodness, and kindness was a blessing to many people, is Abigail. I'm sure as I say Abigail, you're thinking of what would she do. Well, uh, it's a long reading here, but it's a a wonderful reading. It's a a wonderful lesson here. So I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 25. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. 
And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was sharing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And this you shall say to him who lives in prosperity. Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I've heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you, therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes. For we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men that I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Just going to stop the reading for a second, uh, just to remind everyone. You see how many men he has. You know, just 400 here, 200 there. And, and he was telling the Nabal, we could have taken what we wanted. There probably were gangs of, of thieves that uh, would take whatever they wanted. And he's saying, we didn't do that. We guarded your people. Nothing happened to them while we were with them. And uh, anyone thinking about stealing from them at that point were probably afraid of David and all of those people he had who were hardened soldiers. Anyway, I'm going to move on now. Now, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to to us both night and day, all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roast grain, 
100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under the cover of a hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she hastened to dismount from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, Oh, on me, my Lord, on me, on me let me this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please, let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, and the life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of, a, of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hastened and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. So, not only did she save her nasty husband Nabal and all the men in her household, but she saved King David from doing something he would have 
regretted for the rest of his life. He was about to hurt and kill people in a fit of anger. There's actually scripture that tells us in God's word that God is not glorified in the wrath of man. Not glorified in the wrath of man. We can be sure that through the centuries, many godly wives and mothers have been used by God to keep their husbands and children from doing things that would have been harmful to themselves and others. Many men have harmed themselves and kept themselves from great blessing by not appreciating the biblical wisdom and kindness of their godly mothers and wives. And finally, we come to the sixth characteristic. It's found in verse 30. And it is the characteristic that makes all the other characteristics possible. She is a woman that fears the Lord. She has deep reverence for the Lord in her heart. Ultimately, everything she does is for the glory of God. And that is why she always does her best. She is conscious of the fact that she too is a sinner who was saved by the grace of God and that her good works are not the basis of her salvation, but the evidence that she belongs to God. Evidence of her salvation. Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And she shows her reverence and her love for her Savior and Lord by her obedience. She's not just a hearer of God's word, she is a doer of God's word. She shows true fear and reverence for him. Now, perhaps all of you wives and mothers measure up to this ideal. This ideal presented as a godly wife and mother. Then again, maybe you see a few places where you don't have that same gifts in every area she did. That's fine. That's just fine. You're not called to be an exact carbon copy of this Proverbs 31 woman. The purpose of this message is not to make any wife or mother feel bad. The purpose is to help you see the spiritual standard that God sets for wives and mothers and then to prayerfully discipline your lives to meet the standard, not my standard, God's standard. I hope this message have been, has been some help to you. Most of all, to be a woman that has true reverence for God. And these other things will flow in your life. And I haven't forgotten about you husbands and children. I hope you haven't been looking at this ideal Christian wife and mother and trying to see where your wife or mother fails in something, or in your mind fails. Maybe they don't really, but you're making it up. You know, you're not so hot yourself. No. And so uh, she's got to deal with you. 
We all fall short of perfection in this life. God has set standards for us all in his word. And if you husbands and children keep studying God's word long enough, you're going to see where you need improvement too. For sure. So go easy on your wife or mother. Pray for her, because remember, she's got to put up with you. It needs a lot of prayer. And now we must, we want to thank all of you wives and mothers for all that you are and all that you have done and all that you continue to do. Praise God for you. Pray for us and we will be praying for you. Now, if you're an unbeliever today, God's reaching out to you. It's the most important message in Scripture is to know that we all fall short of having a righteousness to be able to enter heaven. Scripture is clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you have not repented of your sin, you haven't asked God to forgive you and trusted in the salvation that's in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to do that. You need to do that. That's the most important thing. And then, as Jesus said, once you've repented of your sins by God's grace and trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then you can start reading God's Word to see how to live for Him. As He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. May God have mercy on you and give you the grace to believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for all your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation, Lord, each one of us here, who by your grace has trusted in you as Savior and Lord. Help us, Lord, to learn from your word what we should be doing and what we should not be doing, and that uh, we would uh, seek your glory and honor. Even as we've looked at this godly woman described in Proverbs Uh, that we would be humble. Help us to discover our gifts, Lord, and abilities and to develop them the most for your glory and honor and the blessing of our families and your saints and even to make us brighter lights to those in darkness. And we uh, pray especially this day that you'll bless our mothers and strengthen them. We thank you for them, Lord. uh, And bless them that they would have joy in being um, mothers by your grace. And if anyone came in not really knowing you as Savior and Lord, have mercy on them. Give them the grace to see their sin and separation from you. And also the grace to see you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior and Lord. And we do pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come soon to take us to be with you. And we pray in your precious name. Amen.